Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand Welcome back to Pace the Nation I'm your host, Chris Farley. We are in Studio 1A here in Clarendon. My co-hosts are alongside, as always, Joanna E. Russo. What's up, Joanna? Thank you for remembering the E today. I love it. It's Joanna E. Russo, and of course, it's William E. Docks. There Docks. you go. Up, man? How many people do you think have that middle initial in America? <laughs> Probably just the two of us. That's it. Probably only you two. Well, yeah. That's what makes us unique and special. Yeah. Well, uh, unique and special for for sure. <laughs> uh, we got a unique and special show today. We really do. We just played some Sinatra, uh, and there's a reason for that. Our that's our guest. Uh, Frank Sinatra is our guest. <laughs> that's incredible. That's, that's I thought our, he died. That's our guest's favorite artist. Break out the Ouija board. <laughs> that's our guest. Ouija fa- board or Ouija board? Ouija. Ouija Whatever. So that's our guest's favorite uh, musician. So. Very excited to have Matt Sensuitz Sr. on today's show today. That should get interesting, guys. Yeah, uh, and Joanna and I were talking about that, and we'd like for you to handle most of the interview. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, he scares me just like a little bit. <laughs> no. He doesn't scare me, he intimidates me, because he's such an accomplished person, he has such a big personality. Right. He's a big teddy bear, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> so we're, we'll be heading over to uh, Roslyn here shortly to uh, talk to Matt. Uh, so that should be really, really cool. Road uh, trip. R- road trip, podcast on the road. Unfortunately, our uh, social media maven, Steve Leiko, will be heading there over there with us. So hopefully he can get some pictures and uh, we'll be able to tweet out. On, of course, our Twitter handle, which is Pace the Nation. You can tweet us at Pace the Nation. Follow us on Twitter at Pace the Nation. Uh, so there, there should be good, some, some good stuff coming from that later today. Also on today's show, uh, Docs, we got to get an update on your New Balance shoes. Or you're running, and, and and how those shoes are working out for you. Really appreciate uh, Kevin McHale sending those along. Uh, also, we have the mailbag, and of course uh, the Clarendon construction. So a lot to get into today on Pace the Nation. Um, so Docs, how were those shoes? Yeah, I, let's be honest. Getting three new pairs of shoes <laughs> and having to run three times in a week is a little difficult, but I pulled it off. Good work. Uh, my, the first pair I went out when, with are the orange ones. Mm-hmm. I'll have to rely on Joanna to tell me which ones those are. And that was the Vazi Pace. Um, and I just also, like, before anybody corrects me, last week I said they were all fresh foam shoes, and the Vazi is actually not a fresh foam shoe, but I only said that because I don't have a pair. Oh, <laughs> uh, unfair, unfair. I, I will say I did notice that when I was running in them about, like, the third mile. I was like, these really don't feel like fresh foam. <laughs> and they're not. They're Revlite. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It felt a lot like that. Um, but those shoes did feel really fast. Those, those feel like the right. shoes I might put on when I, when I need to do a workout or a tempo run or something like that because uh, – you know, they were a blur on my feet. Yeah, no, that's a a, a very nice streamlined last shoe, and uh, yeah, I I don't know if we have those quite yet. Are they out? We'll be getting them in the stores soon. soon. Okay, so you're wear testing shoes that aren't even out there. How about that, Docs? 
Awesome. So those were good, fast shoes. Then the, then the next pair? I wore the black shoes black the next day. <laughs> and that's the Zante. The Zante. The Zante. Okay. Um, and those, of course, were fresh foam. We didn't need those to Those were you fresh could, foam. I could, could tell, tell the difference between the two. Uh, that was probably the only difference I could tell the difference between yeah. was that the uh, Zantes were, were fresh foam. So another fast. They also felt fast. Both. Nice. I'd say both of those shoes really uh, fit my, my feet. Nice, snug. Uh, and felt light on the f- and, foot. You and know? maybe st- maybe use those for workouts. Yeah, yeah. Both of them I felt fast in. And then there was one more pair. And, and then, I'm glad you ran all three. That's and awesome. then yesterday I ran in, in the white shoes. The Borakai. <laughs> the Borakai. They don't. They don't call them the, <laughs> the orange, the black, and the white shoes. No, it's well, it's weird. They come in other colors too. Uh, well, yeah. So that's <laughs> otherwise they would. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I ran in those yesterday, and those seem to be more of the uh, traditional long-distance running shoe that I do, like, long runs and stuff in, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it felt definitely very very comfortable uh, in, in that respect, and I felt like, um, I wouldn't say that they were heavy, because right. they weren't heavy, but they, they just felt like uh, maybe more support. I just don't know. a little more shoe under your foot, probably that, for longer runs. Does that runs. make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, but you would you think you'd wear... You'd continue to, to to train in all three of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear all three. Nice, yeah. fantastic. Definitely, cool. definitely gonna gonna run in the white ones for my long <laughs> runs. <laughs> the Borkai. <laughs> the, the orange yeah. ones when I when I want to do some real speed. Yep. Pace. And and then uh, maybe maybe my mama bear shoes will be the black ones. Black ones. There yeah. you go. Zante. Cool. And they all do look sharp uh, on as well. So uh, maybe you can. I was going to tweet a picture of them, actually. Uh, yeah, I, my social media. I need to talk to Steve about <laughs> upping my social media game. <laughs> I know. Because when I was running the other day um, in the Zantes, I was, I was going to tweet a picture of myself wearing them afterwards and saying, right. for all you out in the WNOD trail today, these are the blurry things that were on my feet. <laughs> I just smoked you. Uh, yeah. But my social media game needs some work. I need, to, I need to be a little bit more active on that. And you can follow him at William E. Docs on uh, Twitter. He's he's not a uh, he's not a volume tweeter, but uh, the quality is there. It's substance, yeah. Yeah, it's substance. So you might be following me and just didn't realize it because <laughs> I haven't <laughs> tweeted in a long time. <laughs> That's the update on the shoes. You also had another uh, a, a note you wanted to to mention, right, Docs? Well, I just asked for a moment to okay. wish my mom happy birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Mama Docs, happy birthday. Yeah, awesome. How is she celebrating? Uh, she's going to drive me to the lake and uh, <laughs> wait for me to run. She and then get ice cream. And then get ice cream. That's right. Uh, and that's, of course, referencing our uh, uh, last episode of the podcast. She actually heard that. Yeah. Uh, like, my mom and dad listened to that episode. And when I said I drove to the lake, she was like, excuse me? <laughs> and then I corrected myself. They, they, they had a good laugh because they were like... <laughs> They thought I was trying to take credit for something I didn't do. You can't get away with uh, lying on this show, that's nah. for sure. Yeah, we have good fact checkers. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so that, that this is episode number seven. So of course, Lucky you, number seven. You can go back and, and, and hear our uh, previous shows. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna go to the casino with Joanna and <laughs> and see how many bets she places on a roulette table. Yes, there's a lot of lucky numbers. <laughs> yes, I know. So. Uh, if you haven't heard our previous previous shows, if you're new to the show because you want to hear 
Matt Sinchwitz Sr., I totally get it. But, yeah, go back and you can hear our previous shows and get some context on some of these callbacks that we're talking about, like your mom driving you to the lake for a run or why you got those shoes or, or whatever that what, whatever else we referenced during the show. Maybe maybe we should just talk and code the rest of the show just <laughs> right. referencing old episodes so people right. are tempted to go back and listen to those. Yeah, that's good. Think that will work? Yeah, we, we could try to do that. Yeah, sounds like a great way to get new listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not alienate any of our old listeners. Right. Uh, we do like your interaction, though, and we are looking for new listeners and your interaction feedback this week. Um, we heard from... Mary Ellen, um, who's looking forward to hearing uh, Sandwich Todd on the show. So thanks for uh, chiming in on that. Uh, we also had... As, as I understand, it, the uh, holdup to having Sandwich Todd on the show right now is, is his people are still talking to our people? <laughs> yes. Is that what's going We're on? trying to iron out the, date, okay. the, 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 the dates and Some times. Stuff going on behind the scenes, I yeah. guess? Yeah. Okay. We also had a lot of comments on um, who wore that red shirt better. Did we ever get to the bottom of that? I think I won. <laughs> you did? You, you think you did or you know you did? I, I don't know. Can we have um, our producer verify? We need to make sure we verify because <coughs> I thought uh, I thought it looked pretty good in it, but who knows? It was like favor for Joanna, tweet for me, and I don't know. It's also, I, I have to say that I like, the, I like that concept to settle a bet, Yeah, but... I think people would be more inclined to favorite something than retweet it. Right. Don't you think? So you think that it was skewed in my favor and <laughs> right. that's how I won? Well, I never I, win by cheating. I, I think that you should have won that contest anyway. I'm just right. saying like in general when, when these things come up, don't you think that maybe people will be less likely to retweet something than they would be to favorite Probably. something? That's true. It's a faulty study here. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you, you, you retweet something, you're, you're it's a little bit uh, – you're showing a little bit more to everybody who follows you. Exactly. That, that it's you more passive to do the favor. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, we're losing my dad here because my dad is he's, he's, he's either going to listen or he's not going to listen. So I can't talk too much about Twitter because he's not a Twitter guy. So <laughs> let's. Moving on. Let's, let's, let's move forward here. Um, a lot of people did like uh, Lisa's interview too. A lot of feedback on that. So we appreciate uh, your, your feedback and great job to uh, Lisa Reeves. Uh, I got an email from from Kevin Kang, and uh, he mentioned that uh, he he really enjoyed uh, Lisa's interview, and he was um, glad to know why it is so bad to bandit races, and he promises never to do that again. No, I'm just kidding. Kevin doesn't bandit races. He's, he actually said that uh, he emailed me, and he said that he's going to be on the lookout of outing uh, bandits <laughs> going forward. Exactly. So yes. So if you know Kevin King and you're banneting races, you better stop. Yes, exactly. That and breaking your toe are two reasons not to ban at races. So uh, she was a great guest. Uh, we're looking forward to having Matt uh, Sensuwitz Senior on on the show later today, and 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 other future guests such as uh, Joanna's nemesis Charlie Ban, Sandwich Todd, and others moving forward. Uh, we did have a, 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 a submission into the mailbag today. Joanna, why don't you read the mailbag? All right. So this question comes from Sarah. And Sarah's a new runner who said, I've just started running and I literally have no idea how fast or slow to do my runs. If I'm going out for, say, a three-mile run, how do I know what pace I should be doing? Good question, Sarah. Um, to me, you got to start slow and it's got to be conversational. You know, when I'm going for a run of any distance that isn't a workout for sure 
you want to be at a conversational pace. So, Sarah, if you can find a buddy to run with and go out and run and have a conversation with them, I would say if you can hold the conversation the whole time, that's you're running the right pace. pace. Um, and if you can't find a buddy, then <laughs> just be that crazy person on the trail talking, talking to yourself. yourself. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good idea too. And a lot and a lot of times when you're just starting running, going to a fun run and running with other people is a good way to learn what pace is a good pace to do for you because there's a lot of people that you can run with. Um, if you want to get real technical about it, you can also get a GPS watch. Yep. Um, and then you'll know exactly what your pace is while you're running. And you can do like a mile time trial at a track. And then from there, there's a lot of resources online to tell you what your long run should be at. If you're doing workouts, what your workouts will be at. But I wouldn't worry about that just yet. Right. I like the McMillan running calculator. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. If, if, if anybody really wants to get geeky about it, like you're saying, like that next level of knowing what your pace is or what... You know what times you would run in races. I think the McMillan Running Calculator does a really good job. Uh, there's also a lot of great trails to run on. We talked about trails last week that have mile markers. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have a GPS watch, uh, you can just time yourself on the mile, figure out what that is, and then that that involves some math. <laughs> and, and if <laughs> you true. can't do the calculation, <laughs> right. And you normally could do the calculation. You might also be going too fast. That's that is true too. So if you can do math in your head, that's a mm-hmm. good good pace to run. Yeah. Well, some people can't do math in their head in anyway. Right. So it has to be like a delta there. Um, but I, I do think that, that you, it's in your best interest to start out conservatively, mm-hmm. um, and you can always pick up the pace. You don't want to go out too fast too soon, especially if you're doing an out and back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your pace will change, you know, based off of, you know, Sarah's doing three-mile runs. You know, if you start, you know, training for a marathon or doing something longer, I think well, let's that's... let's get her into a 5K. Let's first. get her into a 5K, yeah, yeah. But I, I think for, for those who've... who've who are trying to do a marathon, you know, ne- not necessarily Sarah, uh, you know, you're going to have a significantly different pace on your long run, uh, you know, your 20-mile run, uh, you know, this, this during your, your marathon buildup is going to be a lot different than probably your five-mile run. So people aren't going to run the same pace every single run out there, which I think is uh, something that people don't think about a lot of times, especially when you're running, a, you're new to the marathon distance. So Sarah, appreciate you... Uh, Sending in that ma- mailbag note that that was a that was received by the U.S. Post yet? No, this came. Uh. It was a, it was a direct message on Twitter. Oh, okay. Twitter. Well, I was yeah. still waiting for uh, that first U.S. Postal. We'll we'll mail frame in the it. Mailbag. Yeah, we'll frame it and put it in Studio One A. So if you want that distinction, <laughs> the walls are empty here. The walls are empty. So, so. I just wanted to also follow up on a comment that we addressed last week. I have applied for the show to be on Stitcher. We're just waiting Mm -hmm. back to hear from them. Okay. So we are trying to get it on uh, uh, another medium for those Apple uh, haters out there. (laughs) So for the Android folks out there, we're not ignoring you. Well, I wouldn't say just specifically Android people, just just (laughs) anti-Apple, the (laughs) anti-Apple community. It's more inclusive than just the Android people. Yeah, that's true. All right, and you you are a late uh, you, you are a we don't need to go into that late iPhone guy. I only I only got an iPhone so that I could uh, be on group text messages with my friends. Is the dumbest reason to buy a phone, but we don't need to go into that. <laughs> I like well, they, that. they kai shy text messages. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Didn't your sister have a race? 
She did yesterday. Yeah, yesterday right. was her race, uh, and uh, she did the corporate four mile in Richmond. Nice. And just want to give a shout out. Congrats! Uh, that was awesome. I went down there and, and cheered for her oh, with, right with uh, my nieces and my my brother in law. Did you run with her at all? I did not run with her. My niece jumped in and ran nice. with her for a bit, and then I made sure that my niece didn't get lost in the shuffle, so I ran along the side. But and your niece is eight years old. She's eight. Yeah. Wow, she's going to be the next uh, Doc's star runner in the family. Well, she's she's the younger of the of my two nieces, and mm-hmm. and the uh, the ten year old I think is is also interested in running now. That's awesome. Well, shout out to Doc's sister. Shout out to Doc's sister. Well done. Four miles. Yeah, congrats, Ann. Well done, Ann. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to head on over to Roslyn to interview Olympian Matt Sensuit Sr. So we'll be right back. We're now excited to be joined by Olympian and running legend Matt Sensuit Sr. Coach, how you doing? Good morning, Chris. <laughs> how you doing? Thanks for joining us. We're here at uh, Coach's apartment here in Roslyn, uh, and he's been kind enough to give us some time, and we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, we'll start with, uh, you got a book coming out, which is, is really exciting. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book, Coach. Well, it's not completed yet, but I'm, the first time I follow through on a project in a long time, <laughs> it hasn't been, uh, I get a lot of help from uh, my, what do you call it, my co-writer, Chris and he's been very helpful in doing it. And basically, uh, it's going to be as, about me as a coach, me as an athlete, me as a father, the three sections. And more stories and the great people that I've come in contact with and funny episodes that have happened with runners at running events. And also, I'll pay a little tribute to uh, my coaches and mentors that helped me and great teammates I've had, been lucky enough to, to run with uh, drink with, <laughs> socialize with, and uh, learn from. So that's kind of fun. So it's a it's a project uh, that Coach is doing, Chris Kwiatkowski and uh, Chris Lears helping out too? Chris Lears is going to be the editor. Okay. And cool. Chris is co-writing it with me, and then Lear will be the editor. Yeah. So that, that, that should be awesome. And hopefully we'll see that this fall. So definitely look forward to that. Um. And, and I did want to talk about some of the stuff that was in the book and, and kind of take us back as, you know, part of it of the book is you being a runner. So take us back to uh, your running days, your first Olympic team. That was kind of where we wanted to start. Well, it, it's like everybody, the first steps. I think the first chapter is called First Steps. And uh, <clears throat> basically how I got involved in running. And it was by watching Olympics like every kid growing up. Uh, I had my Olympic idols. 1968 Olympics was right before I entered high school and seeing Bob Beeman, Jim Ryan um, these kinds of people uh, Bill Toomey, these were kind of my the legends I looked up to, admired and worshipped to a large degree so it's been awesome uh, to meet most of them during the decades and uh, they got inspired me uh, to be an athlete, to be a runner, obviously never dreaming that I'd be an athlete Right, an Olympic athlete. So it was quite an exciting ride, and, and enjoyed every step of it. So you were a star runner, obviously in high school. At you went the same high school that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What's the name of the high school? Power Memorial. Power Memorial, of Academy. course, of course. Yeah, and Lenny Elmore. <laughs> Lenny Elmore went there in New York, and then uh, 
you didn't first go to Oregon, but uh, you ultimately ended up in Oregon, right? Correct. I transferred from uh, Manhattan College, and uh, I chose Manhattan College, and that's part of uh, stuff in there. The coach at Manhattan College at that time was Fred Dwyer and uh, Frank Agliano, two inspirational people in my life. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Fred Dwyer coached Marty LaCorey in high school, the second uh, sub four minute miler, third sub four minute miler in high school. So then you uh, you stay, stayed a year, a year there, and then ended up going to. I did one year at Manhattan College, and, and then what uh, took you to what? What made you go to Oregon? Uh, that's uh, Bill Dellinger. It's all about Bill. Even though Prefontaine was in college at that time, and obviously everybody in the nation talked about Pre. Um, I was more of a miler, but as soon as I met Bill Dillinger, he was inspirational and inspired me, and I knew he had the uh, knowledge being a three-time Olympian bronze medalist, that he had the knowledge and experience that I was looking for to be a sub-four-minute miler. When you transferred, did you have to sit out a year? Correct. I had to sit out a year. Uh, fortunately, the coach, as a term, was kind of a dis- was annoyed that I left Manhattan College and did not give me a release. So <clears throat> I sat out a year, which was the best thing for me. Um, gave me a year to learn, observe, and not deal with competing for the school, which, I, which was smart by... Uh, just were lucky on my part. What What did you end up doing for that year? Uh, I was able to work. I was getting. I wasn't getting a scholarship. I was getting financial aid, and I actually spent uh, one of my jobs was uh, shellacking the new at that time the new stands in Eugene, Oregon. I worked really? for Bill Bowerman. Yeah, I worked I didn't for Bill Bowerman. Yeah, and I kept track of my own hours, and it was quite a. Anytime I had a couple extra hours, I just get the uh, shellac, and off I go to work with my. My mop and shellac new stands. So every time I look at the new stands, now those people sitting on sitting there clean asses on my steps. <laughs> I, I feel very lucky that part of that stands. Uh, what? Uh, so so the the year after, like, so tell us some highlights of of your college college running. Uh, well, fortunately, <clears throat> sitting out that year, I was injured a lot and allowed me to learn a new system to observe. Without it's kind of like being on the sidelines and actually observe. What some of the other, some of the guys' mistakes were made, I pre- as it turned out, um, the photo that's pretty much passed around. And Farley has it in his store. Yeah, uh, I took us only one photo with Pre, and it was done approximately six hours before he died. But the point of the picture was, I was on the same schedules, and we ran the same races because he didn't run for U of O, I didn't run for U of O, and we traveled to different meets uh, together. And I got an up close and personal with Steve. Uh, just by being his teammate, because we were both on the same schedule, more so than being a duck. Yeah, and everybody knows the Prefontaine, or, or a lot of our listeners know the Prefontaine Classic, and everybody knows Steve Prefontaine. Uh, you don't often talk to somebody who actually knew him personally. What kind of guy was Steve? <clears throat> well, it was 40 years ago <laughs> when he died just recently, so it's not... Uh, as far as I was 19, and right. he was uh, 24 years old. Right. So uh, we didn't we didn't socialize that much. Uh, but we went to a couple parties, but uh, he was very busy. He was involved in the community. That was the first time I saw an athlete or track athlete be involved uh, with the community, uh, donating singlets, uh, signing autographs, uh, giving talks, um, going up to the state, which is document he was uh, in charge of running club and the lifers club all guys at the state penitentiary doing life and some of the things hmm. we filled in after he died it was that's the reason I got to know how, just how busy he really was 
and always giving clinics to kids and that was part of his job for Nike was to get other athletes interested in Nike shoes and expose them. So were you as good as Prefontaine or was he No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't I was a miler and I didn't feel yeah. I was competing with Pre and um, I was busy being a New Yorker. I was busy <laughs> creating my my own my own havoc. Yeah. And uh, like one of the things and I would talk about a coach athlete. I went there for strictly, strictly Bill Dillinger's to be coached by Bill, not to run with Pre. Uh, really um, wasn't the person I wasn't attracted to that personality. Um, and I was a miler, so um, but he was someone to look up to and idolize his work ethic very much. But to give you one of the stories that will be in the book, and I think it's pretty the kind of relationship I had with Bill Dillinger. One of the stories that's in there, which I tell several, of, was I was a in the old days. The only thing we did in uh, bars and taverns was play pool and drink beer, and uh, I did was I was doing both of those long before I got to high school. In New York City, <laughs> being a drinking age, being 18, right. and uh, being from the Bronx, it wasn't uncommon for kids to do that in the neighborhood. So I heard Bill, I played pool against everybody at the Oregon team, and I beat everybody on the team. I was the best pool player on the U of O team. And I heard Dillinger was very, very good. So I, uh, the next week I went into his first month at school, I personally challenged him to a game of eight ball. I told him he was pretty good. And uh, <clears throat> he got a kick out of it. But I think of it looking back at now at 19. And one of the things was Bill didn't like long hair. And I had quite long hair. <laughs> so we played for my hair. That was the gamble thing. I said, That's if great. I win, I get to keep my hair. If you lose, you get to cut my hair. So that was my idea, my challenge to him. So we went to the student union that Friday at 5 o'clock. We met there. And Bill Dillinger was quite smart coach and person so he comes in approximately 15-20 minutes late and I mean well I have 50-70 kids up there waiting for this tournament right and Bill comes in all hustling in pretending pretending to got stuck at the office this that and the other thing and I of course let him go first and he declined several times but I insisted being the fair minded <laughs> guy I was and needless to say Bill went off to run the table quite easily to beat me two straight games and by the time I was finishing my second loss I looked up and my 70 friends were down to about four and they were (laughs) quickly heading to the exit humiliated I left we left and Monday morning Bill took me to his did a good job of driving to 30 minutes outside of town to best redneck barbershop he could right. find which I was sitting there thinking I was going to get beheaded never mind <laughs> a haircut but Bill was nice and gave gracious enough to tease me enough to that degree but unknown to me 20 years later I found out Bill was at over at the tavern playing pool for an hour <laughs> drinking vodka tonics getting ready for the tournament set me up for the whole time and uh, that's kind of what's gone on in my whole life with Bill so we've had a unique r- relationship yeah that's great yeah, and, and you and, and Bill have stayed very, very close, right? Yes, very, very close, and uh, we visit quite often and talk on a di- uh, weekly basis on the telephone. So he, he coached you uh, through college and then uh, got you ready for the 76 Olympics. Talk about uh, the preparation or the Olympic trials. Were you were you a favorite to make the Olympic Games that oh, year? No, no, no. It's, I broke four minutes. <clears throat> I was seventh in the USA Championships the year before. And uh, 341, 
to make the Olympic team, I ran three days in a row, which is kind of fun. 341, 339, and then I ran 336, three days in a row. So I was kind of, wow. Bill got me very prepared, ready to go. Unfortunately, I had a little injury after that and uh, was eliminated the first round of the Olympic Games. But there was nobody picking me to make the Olympic team. I was none on anybody's chart. And uh, for the most part, uh, I wasn't a good finisher. I, w- I wasn't fast enough um, speed-wise to be a good miler. But Bill trained me very well, and uh, it was an exciting time, and everything clicked. And to run, run at Haywood Field to make an Olympic team was an exciting experience. Did, do they run three days? They don't run three days in a row. No, no. Every Olympic's a little different. But yeah. they ran three days in a row. Wow. Fortunately for me, because there was a lot of guys that uh, positive would have beat me on one day. But, right. Uh, three days in a row, it wasn't happening. And the, the Olympics that year were, what, what was 76? Montreal. 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 Yeah. I mean, so you unfortunately didn't run as well as you'd hoped, but how overall was the experience? Oh, the experience was yeah. great. Uh, it was just a little shorter than I would have liked. <laughs> Instead of running all three days, I only ran once. And uh, it was very exciting. And one of the other fight, exciting parts was I got to meet all my Olympic teammates yeah, including the famous Bruce Jenner now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who was my roommate for? T- we spent two weeks at a pre-Olympic camp in Plattsburgh, New York, approximately 100 miles south of uh, Montreal, and him and I roomed together, as well as his dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously Jenner's in the news, and you told us before we got on air a story. Why don't you re- tell us that story that you when you saw him in, uh, ten ten or so years ago? Well, it wasn't one of my better meetings. <laughs> And there was an early flight, and I'm not a morning person. And uh, so I might have been a little wound up. <clears throat> but I went up <clears throat> to the airplane, and Bruce said in first class, I had to get to the back of the airplane. So I immediately stuck my hand out to Bruce and uh, obviously put on some weight and lost a lot of hair since 76. <laughs> was it easily identifiable? So I stuck my hand out to Bruce and uh, extended my hand and said, Hi, Bruce, this is, this is Matt Sentowitz. And Bruce looked up and made a horrible face. And said, Matt Sutwitz, what happened to you? And I went, what do you mean what happened to me? Look at your plastic face. I said, you got some nerve to make fun of me. And off I stormed, <clears throat> took my hand back and stormed to the back of the plane. And uh, never thought about Bruce since. <laughs> it was a short and abrupt meeting. That's but great. memorable. Yeah. Uh, and there's many great stories like that. And that one made the book, I hope. Yeah, I think if you had to, I put a couple of the words in there. We won't mess up your show, but uh, thank you. Bruce is not one of my favorite fans. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, So back to to seventy six. Obviously, a little bit disappointed, but were you super motivated coming out of that? To no, actually, actually, I was super super disappointed. Okay, Um, obviously, I I, you know wanted to represent USA. And uh, should have done better, you know, but this should have been my mind. But uh, what I realized by sitting around watching the uh, the finals, that I didn't have the wheels to be a medalist ever, no matter what would have happened. I was not a contender for anything in the finals and did not have that ability. So I quickly watched the 5,000 and realized, <laughs> <laughs> if I have any shot in the world, this is going to be my new event. So the next day I started training for my Olympic 5,000 meter finals. And that's the way I did. But I was very disappointed, not because I was injured, because I realized I didn't have what it took. And no matter how old the train in the world, uh, if you don't have that ability, 
Um, there's not much you can do. Had you run a 5K to that point, or was that... Uh, I ran nine? one in high school. Okay, but it, it wasn't... It was pretty good, but I hated the event. It was boring, and a mile was much more exciting. And wanted to be a miler my whole life. But um, with seeing the talent and the finish, the wall up those guys had at the end, uh, there was no way I was competing in that event ever again at the world level. So did you uh, you stay out in Oregon and... and train for the next four years yeah i had two more years of eligibility oh okay i had two more years of eligibility since i sat out one year uh my fifth year was 70 i graduated in 78 and uh stayed out in eugene for the next two more years and uh i trained with bill and had a great relationship as a postgraduate athlete with him and actually had a better career that's when i moved up to 5000 right after our graduation so uh, take us to uh, does that takes let's take us to uh, 1980. Um, so probably different than 76, where you're more of a favorite at this point going into trials, right? Yeah, and uh, 79 was again it was my first year of school. I didn't lose a 5,000. I'd ran uh, the one the Paid Am Games, I won the USA Nationals, and uh, ran 1320. Uh, and that time I beat uh, that time was the world champion world cross country champ Craig Virgin had the America record for 10,000 I ran 1320 the world record was 1313 so it wasn't wow. too far off of it and didn't lose and beat a lot of guys New Zealanders and other people in the world so I was undefeated at that distance and beat the top guys a lot of them in America and their international fields too so I was excited going into it um, I saw myself getting a medal being a contender and everything was in, in place had a good build up in the fall um, wonderful winter, stayed healthy, mm-hmm. and then uh, six weeks before the Olympic trials, they announced the boycott with Jimmy Carter. Wow, that yeah. so uh, just kind of describe that. I mean, that must have been completely deflating. Uh, deflating would be not a good word. For <laughs> yeah, that, but okay. Let's just say I could, it was just really the shocker was that it was so un-American to, to boycott. It just wasn't in the mentality of, uh, of never mind an athlete, America anyway that we're not going to come and play and beat your ass, which is what we should have done. Right. We're going to stay home and not play. It seemed like a little babyish to me. And obviously Jimmy Carter has uh, freely admitted that was his worst call of his presidency. And a lot of people are very upset. And uh, But me being, I voted for Jimmy Carter. <coughs> being American, I, I listened to the commander-in-chief and didn't publicly say anything. I thought it was being American and the commander-in-chief says, we don't go. And if that could save a life, I was in favor of it. But looking back, I was, you know, it's just all so un-American. Wait, I don't think I realized that they announced before the trials that they were boycotting, yeah. and then you still had to go through and... Well, if you, you didn't have to do anything, but uh, a lot of people chose not to compete. But I was all excited. Uh, I'll follow through on things. There was still other meets. And what I learned about it, even if there was no Olympic Games, I'd still be a runner. I mean, obviously, it's the it's the height or the, the elite place to be but when you went out the Olympics you're still an athlete you're still a runner and you, you still represent your country in other events and that's what's exciting anytime I put a USA jersey on I made it extra special so they went through with the, the trials and everything was Correct. pretty much the same except there was no Olympic games to yeah, they had, uh, I think they had a goodwill games instead I think we had some kind of freedom games we had a make-believe Olympics with the teams that were boycotting with us, huh. which gave us no satisfaction. Which that was the worst part. But pretend the Olympic uh, Open and stuff and stuff like that. We had in Philadelphia the Freedom Games. I think they were called the Freedom Games. Mm-hmm. 
but that kind of stuff was it's, it's going through the motions. And we had a White House reception as a, uh, a gratitude to our dedication. But so in the, in the trials or the trials <laughs> for you know the non Olympics, uh, you you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you you won pretty handily in that. I mean, you were on fire at that point. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> but then, <clears throat> without a doubt, I was uh, then up to that point. Then the realization after you make the Olympic team, and <clears throat> some reason in the back of my mind, I was thinking this can't really happen. Right. It's America. Right. We're really going to somehow. They're going to get this, their act together here and correct this right. this bad decision. And they never did. But I was holding out, even after the trials were over, there's really going to be Olympic Games. How'd you do in the uh, Freedom Games? <laughs> Not very good. Dude. <laughs> Nobody was really into it too much. <laughs> uh, and uh, it wasn't very exciting. It was a, it was a f- very flat day for everybody. And, and they, did, did they... Ultimately, I mean, honor you guys. You, you said they took you to the White House and all that stuff, but didn't they honor you guys later on, twenty years down the road? Or well, Nike did that yeah, when, he, okay. when Eugene had the Olympic tri- okay. uh, trials in '08, I believe it was. The, yeah, yeah, '08. They had the open. They had opening ceremonies. We were part of the opening ceremonies, and the honors because that's when the last time I had a Olympic trials was uh, 1980 to 2000. So Eugene did right. that. Nike did that okay. on, on their own. So yeah, I mean, so you were a, a, a medal contender. Obviously, that's got to be. They, and they gave the Congress voters honorary gold medals. Okay, but everybody got one. It was yeah. the trainers, the coaches. They were passing them out like candy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm supposed to have this a little bit different. Yeah, it wasn't quite the same. Let's leave it at that. It's like like a Pacers fun run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If Chris has one, you know everyone got one. Exactly. <laughs> so at this point. Man, it now maybe deflated is the right word now after the Olympics or the non-Olympics, but you continue to, 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 to you know, because you are running so well, you continue to, to to carry on for another four years, are you thinking at this point after that? Well, I, wasn't, I was thinking, but it, <clears throat> I decided I couldn't just sit there and just be a full-time. I'm 25. Um, Eugene, I kind of outgrown Eugene, went back to New York City and started my, uh, uh, got a job, my coaching career, Decided to be a coach at St. John's University and still run. It was a uh, good, good, good environment to be in. Mm-hmm. It allowed me time to train, run with the team, and uh, see what I really wanted to do. Give me a chance to do some more thinking, and uh, stayed uh, just kept running for another uh, one, one year at a time. Let's just say that, and won another U.S. championship. With that time, it was the third in a row. And in '82, I set the America record industry and in running in New York City. Uh, without a team, without a, you know, with just the advice of Bill Dillinger, following the principles that I learned. In wow, order. I didn't know that was it. That was in New York City. What what track did you set the American record? Well, I set it at Haywood Field. Oh, you set it at Haywood Field, but you were training. Well, I was training at St. Wow. John's coach uh, for two years there, and uh, St. John's didn't have anybody that was under four, 14 minutes. But I was back with my friends. I was back in the environment, uh, being in New York City. And it wasn't the ideal, but I found out that these principles that part of the book has to do with, um, I practiced them in New York City on my own and uh, became an expert in them and how they work if you follow the program. So I was, uh, that's how I learned firsthand how valuable they are. So this is so 82, you set the American record. you got to be thinking, well, it's two more years to the, to the games, right? 
Correct. Very, very good, Chris. You, <laughs> I'm you did the math very Chris good. You did the math very good, Chris. <laughs> <clears throat> but unfortunately, as as I've never had an injury in running, uh, someone actually I was in I was in the Dream Mile in Oslo, and someone fell in front of me and I jumped over and tore my hamstring. It's uh-huh. and that basically was the end of Mike. Mike it was never quite right after that. Never ran faster. Um, that stuff, but that's the way it went, and uh, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you had uh, you had quite a career, and still are having quite a career after running too. Um, so you ultimately quit. What retired, Chris? Yeah, retired. <laughs> I'm sorry. Reti- retired. Retired. Right. Right. I'm just trying to get the chronological yes. order here. Of yeah. yeah. So at some point, you fall in love. And move on, right? How do we go from track to love? Because <laughs> <laughs> you move a little fast for me. Well, I was, you know, I'm trying to stick to the book here. So okay. the book is, you're, you as a runner, yeah. you as a parent, yeah, I and you as a coach. Yeah, that was right? a coach. Okay, coach. Okay, coach. okay, so I'm, I'm skipping ahead yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So, I'm sorry. So. Stick to the chronological I order. Exactly. That's so. it. Thank you. So as a, as a, as a coach, so... You, uh, I meet my wife. She lives across the okay. street in New York City, mm-hmm. and she's also a runner at a Hunter College, and I uh, was a half miler, and uh, we fell in love, and got married, and uh, had three children together. Correct. Yeah, so that's okay. basically what went on, and still did some road running. I did the Pacer series <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> Won a couple days. Sure, it wasn't nearly as good as the Pacers. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, right. We had quite a few, quite a few characters in New York City. Yeah. Oh, I'm around. sure. I'm sure. So we did that stuff, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed local running. Yeah. And <clears throat> as a runner, uh, just how much fun it is, and got involved more and more involved with coaching, advising people, and helping um, other athletes achieve their goals, which was the next best thing to do it yourself. Yeah. So, so St. John's. Like, how'd you end up in D.C. then? Well, I moved, <clears throat> I moved down there. Uh, I was a Adidas salesman, and I had uh, D.C. and uh, Maryland as my territory. And Frank Gagliano was his uh, first year at uh, Georgetown and uh, asked me to uh, to advise uh, John Troutman, who was uh, trying to be a 5,000-meter runner. So at that time, I was approximately 35 years old mm-hmm. and ran with John a lot. And John Troutman would basically be my first. Uh, full-time athlete that I ever really okay. coached and we had a great relationship and had a great experience with him and Frank and uh, just got me more and more in love with running and being a coach. So what point did the, did the, did the uh, am I, I'm trying to stick to the chronological order here, guys, sorry. I'm, try, I'm trying to think when the enclave came into the scene because I know Troutman, Troutman's still running, which is incredible. Uh, you yeah, said, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's still un- unbelievable, but uh, the enclave, uh, formed and you were one of the coaches there. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, it probably started. Gags had a had a great. I think it was ninety two. He had a great Olympic trials. He had Holman and uh, John Chapman make the Olympic team, and a bunch of kids from around the uh, the nation were looking for a situation and very attracted to be coached by Gags. But Gags, being Georgetown, asked me to come down to run the group and. Uh, a, and we did that in the middle distance section, and I was I was that coach for the enclave, and he was the Georgetown coach. <clears throat> yeah, and so the the enclave um, we started January '93 is what I moved. Yeah, for, for for those who who <clears throat> listeners who don't know, the enclave was in D.C. I mean, it was the uh, 
the professional running group of note and had multiple Olympians there with coach and, and, and gags. And national champs. National champs. And so really national great caliber team. Dozens of four-man miles. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the people that were on that team? If I remember all of them, <clears throat> it was uh, for okay. the marathon, we had Terrence Mahan. Right. He ran uh, the Olympic 213 in the marathon that, that year. Then with 10,000, <clears> we had uh, quite a few runners there, too. Ronnie Harris was yeah. on there. And then uh, from the Army, Jason. Uh, but anyway, Bill Burke, Rich Kanaugh, Steve yeah. Holman, John Troutman. Yeah, a ton of milers, middle distance guys. Also, those are the guys yeah. I was more in charge with, yeah. those guys. As well as the, uh, there was a guy from representing England in the Olympics. Yeah. Strang, Dave Strang, excuse me. Yeah. But he also, he scored the world championships in the mile as yep. well. So we had quite a few international runners as well. And and then guys later on, I we get sort of to the to the more of the Farley generation here. Guys like Pete Sherry and Andre Williams and Terry Weir and Pugs, don't forget Pugs. Pugsley and you know so there's so the the group was I mean around for at least a decade it seems like well it probably was Chris Graff yeah. but certainly eight years we had two Olympic trials that I remember very clearly. So were you coaching at AU while doing the enclave? Uh, yes. Okay. What happened? To, uh, it was just a cross country position without track, no scholarships, and it was yeah. done in the fall where it wouldn't interfere with. Uh, it was only a 10 week cross country season from August till the end of October. Then the, the uh, commitment was over. We we're in the CAAs at the time, yep. Colonial Athletic Association, and uh, we had no scholarships. So it was more of a. Maybe it was 10 like a girls, cl- 10 club. Boys. I mean, yeah, it, it seemed it like clubs. club sport at the time. And Joanna went to AU, so. Joanna knows AU real well, um, but I started. I, I I just remember showing up, you know, probably 15 years ago, and it, like you said, it was like a club. And now to see where they were to where they are now, you know, a nationally ranked. I mean, multiple guys going to NCAA's. You guys have been at NCAA's in cross country and fared fairly well. So it's it's been a pretty good run. Um, both on the men's and women's side, but specifically the, or particularly the men's side. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. DC, a lot of things contribute to it. Obviously, uh, being from the East Coast, we get a lot of kids out of New York and Jersey, which is a great population. But being in Washington, DC, is a very attractive place for kids who uh, want to be involved in the nation's capital and a lot of resources that are here. Uh, but we've had a lot of kids come down, work hard, blue collar kids. That uh, they're maybe not the most talented, highly recruited kids, but they have great attitudes and work hard, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had uh, approximately eleven All Americans wow. on there, boys and girls combined, and that's more All Americans than the other teams combined in the league. So I'm proud of that fact uh, that we've done that. We've won uh, six straight cross countries, which is the most in league history for cross country, and uh, a couple of kids like Sean Duffy. Uh, never actually they're doing it's 25 years since the Patriot League has been it's in existence okay. so this year the only time just the other day they want to honor 25 athletes yep and uh, obviously a lot of them are AU athletes that's great so we're viewing a lot of the accomplishments I never realized that Duffy when he was Sean Duffy never lost to a, a non-AU athlete really he was in four years of college 
in the Patriot League. So I think it's pretty outstanding that kids took a lot of pride in yeah, competing within the conference. And, and, and he's really built like an awesome culture there. I remember last year when I went to your end-of-the-year cross-country dinner. I mean, kids from 10 years back showing up, driving from all over around the country, flying in. I mean, it's just an awesome, awesome tight-knit group there at AU. Yeah, it's a it's a good family feeling, and yeah. kids enjoyed their experiences, and I enjoyed being around them. And as they get older, um, we remember more of the good times. <laughs> some, of the, some of the bad stuff that will not be in the book. Right. <laughs> Right. So uh, we've had our fair share of moments with like any track team, which makes track a very unique experience. Yeah. Uh, so he also wanted to mention uh, coach of the head coach and director of the Pacers racing team. Uh, and it's been for uh, years, five, six, six years. And we've had a lot of accomplishments and, and great runners through that program, too, which uh, you continue to still lead. Uh, including your co-author Chris Kay, yes. who's uh, who's made the Olympic trials uh, in the mar- in the marathon, I believe. Correct. Correct. Yeah, is he's it, in the marathon. Is he going to run? The, is he going to run? I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's running. The mar- he's running track now, but he's okay. going to run the marathon. Yeah. Whether he likes it or not, <laughs> right. it'll be his first marathon actually because he qualified with the half marathon right. time. So when he runs the Olympic, it might be his first marathon, marathon ever. Time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you ever run a marathon, by the way? Um, I ran one in training. Okay. Yes. Okay. How'd that go? It uh, it was it was it was done in a tavern on a bet. So <laughs> it's I didn't put that story in the book. You didn't. Okay. But uh, let's just say the bet was made at approximately two a.m. in the morning, and at seven I was on this line of the uh, Oregon That's Track Club marathon, and the bet was just to break six minutes per mile for a marathon. Okay. A bunch of marathons. So I, and I'm sure you did. I sure did. That was the hardest sixty dollars I ever earned <laughs> in my life. Sixty dollars. <laughs> hey, <laughs> run his budget. Yeah, but at the time, sixty dollars was was quite a lot, right? That's it. That's a lot of beer board in Eugene, <laughs> Oregon. Let me tell you. Exactly. It was, it was, it was bragging rights, and uh, there was a lot of runners. But uh, I've done stuff stuff like that. Made running a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, yeah, he's got a ton of stories. Can't wait for this book that comes out this fall. Uh, I'm not part- sure you're old enough to read it. <laughs> <laughs> You've censored yourself. I appreciate this. I really do appreciate it because it would have been a lot of editing from our our crack staff of editors, which isn't very many people. Um, but uh, so another big part of the book is is the family and the kids. Uh, your kids all wrote chapters in the book. Well, yeah, it's, it's their interpretation of what it's like to grow up and why they enjoyed it, what they're attracted to, what they didn't like, and their their impressions. I think every parent and coach thinks there's maybe one way, but the, I'm sure the kids will give us some insight into things that I didn't think about or wasn't a, they observed things that I'm not aware of, and I think that gives a, a unique perspective on them. So yeah, yeah, most people, everybody knows Matthew. Lauren's the oldest. Lauren was a, a great runner in her own right. And then Marissa was the youngest who didn't right. run. So. Lauren is the one who went to Stanford mm-hmm. as a walk-on athlete. And by the time she left, she was on a full scholarship and set the school record for the 1,500 meters as well as uh, eight-time All-American as well as the four, the four, she was on the 4 by 1,500 set the America record, part of that relay wow. with the second fastest split. And uh, also got a master's degree at American University. So 
she's more traditional student right. than Matthew. <laughs> And Matthew's still, I think, struggling to get his degree. Should be this fall after eight years. <laughs> eight years in Oregon. And that's another family. It only rec. took you six, right? Only or? took me six yeah. and four summer schools. So right, we're, right. we're okay. And Matthew broke that record too, family record. And we're very proud of him. But perseverance <laughs> is Matthew's middle name. So he does that, and uh, <clears throat> it's all documented, and then. Uh, and Marissa's a nursing student at Drexel University who's done very well in the, in the classroom as well as some uh, artistic stuff and uh, a different personality altogether than the other two. Now, now she was she, she did run at, some, at one point, I think she tried a season of track in well, high school. Well, if, if you're down there in my apartment and right. you can look around, there's only one running photo. And she very pointed out to her friends, it's of her running <laughs> in high school as a ninth grader and yeah, uh, I see it so uh, she, she's the outstanding one and according to her, the, the chapter she wrote she ran a 520 mile and approximately as a freshman as a freshman correct wow. 520 mile she made uh, she ran one full season indoor outdoor and then cross country and uh, she, she didn't like it one of the reasons why she said she, well, she saw the dedication of her brothers and sisters and realized how much it took to be good and said, this is not for me. There's no way she wanted that kind of a commitment and realized she put that kind of effort in her studies and other uh, her life. She applies herself and does a great job. So Matthew obviously is, is you know, one of the country's best runners, one of the best smilers in the world. Uh, Docs and I enjoyed, we had a great time in London. Actually, London, when we went to see Matthew run and, and, and Julie run, and was one of the best trips probably of my life. It's never going to get better than that for us. We were riding his coat, uh, coach's coattails. <laughs> We made it on TV, Docs. I mean, we were on like we were on NBC. We were bigger than this radio station. We That's how big we were. Let me tell you. But I mean, just recalling that, I mean, we had um, you know Matthew had all these like he had these passes into these uh, athlete like areas that were these. There's these secret areas that that nobody knows about that only the coaches of the world would know. But he couldn't use all his passes, so he gave them to us. <laughs> So, Docs and I and a couple of UVA guys, we're living it up <laughs> in, in, in London. You were living pretty large, Chris. Yeah, it was a good time. Great that, time. That, I don't think we tell... I didn't want to... It's not in the book. Yeah. But Matthew and Bolt have the same agent. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, <clears throat> um, his agent's in charge of everything Bolt wants. So, Bolt throws a party. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew's devastated by missing Olympic medal by one one hundredth of a second. So he was sitting in the room watching the next day he doesn't feel like doing much, so I'm sitting with him and we're undecided whether we're going to this party that night. <laughs> so I'm pretending not to be that excited. I don't want right. to push him one way or the right, other right. and being the good dad that I am. Yep. But all day long, I'm saying prayers that he snaps out of this so we can get to the Jamaican party, Hussein <laughs> Ball's party, which is rocking. He's rented the whole place out. Everything's free. And the kind of characters that he hangs out with, I was dying to experience in London. So, But it wasn't meant to be. Matthew couldn't rally. And I felt the first time ever just dragging my son by his neck. <laughs> but I didn't do it. I reframed. 
Yeah, we had a great, great time in London. Uh, as you mentioned, Matthew ran awesome, um, and then missed the, uh, the 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 podium, the podium, the silver medal by. I mean, I'm sorry, the bronze medal by one less than a hundred of a second. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how was that for you and and your son? Well, other than missing a party, I was fine. <laughs> with it. But that's part of life, and uh, you know, unfortunately, there was some controversy which depressing you um, the subject of of drugs that's involved in our sport and too many events and too many people that are cheating slash breaking rules and uh, are missing the point of athletics completely um, so that's for he he uh, what would be the word the winner I didn't even know his name he disgraced right this event hasn't competed since and I think pretty much the people, the sports medicine people have warned him if he comes back, they will, he will be tested and busted. So he hasn't really run any races since the Olympics. Yeah, because if you remember that final, I mean, it was a, a tight group except for uh, the winner who pulls away and, and and ultimately wins by, you know, maybe a couple, a second, at least a second, maybe a couple yeah, seconds. Yeah, easing up and not even... But, uh, yeah, everybody knew he was dirty and he, I mean, he looked every bit of it. Yeah, and that's what the, if you watch every Olympic final, the, what everyone's looking for in everyone's dream is you're coming, you're coming up tightly bunched group coming off the turn, and nobody knows who's going to win. Yeah, it's championship races, right? And this guy ruined it for everybody, the fans uh, as well, because that's not what goes on in fifteen hundred meter running. Yeah, I'm sure it was devastating for Matt, but also you know he ruined your night out too. No night out, no night out. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, it was quite exciting there, and, and sharing it with my brother and Chris and some close friends was a great experience. And London, you know, middle distance running is, they're just tremendous fans, knowledgeable fans. The stadium was electric. I've never been, been to other Olympic Games, but dude, I've never enjoyed it more than I did. Um, like Chris said, the London Olympics were tremendous. Now, everybody knows you're, you're close, um, and if you Google Matthew Sensiewicz, uh if he's got his shirt off, you can see a, a tattoo that says, like father, like son. Uh, what do you think of that tattoo, Coach? Well, <clears throat> what I told him at the time was, <clears throat> I'm torn. Half of me says, I'm proud of the fact that you yeah, do that. The other right. half says, somehow I must have failed as a father. <laughs> that you go put tattoo like that on your chest with a Hallmark card would have done just fine. <laughs> we didn't have to go to such extremes. Being 60 years old, that's just the way I look at it. And as one of the comments, as one, some mother made a comment. She says, if, if boys running around with father like son... I like to beat Dad, so I thought that was a pretty, <laughs> that, got, pretty good. that was pretty good advertising for me in that respect. <laughs> so it depends how you look at it, but uh, that's a new generation, and yeah. that's up to him, and he makes good decisions most. Yeah, of the no, time. he he's 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 a great great kid. Um, so how involved are you into his his coaching him at this point or advising him? Well, uh, being a father, I think fathers are always advising their their children. I advise all three children, and. Um, Sometimes I'm not right, but <laughs> unfortunately in running, uh, he has Alberto Salazar as his coach, and right now uh, he's up in Utah training, and Alberto's involved in obviously a lot of controversy on the internet with um, scandalous reports of drugs, 
allegations being made, and I really haven't followed it, but uh, I'm just having, I'm off now for the summer in America, and I'm going to be heading out in a couple another couple hours to spend a week with him, and then fly to New York City where he'll be running the Diamond League 800. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because most, most people, he has nobody to train with and I'll time his workouts, but I don't write the workouts. Alberto does that exclusively, and uh, whenever Alberto has other commitments and uh, allows me to be an assistant coach, I'm happy to fill in. And yeah, and, and so you have a you have a close. I mean, you ran with Alberto. You have a close relationship with Alberto. Yeah, he was right? a teammate yeah. and a close friend during the decades since. And uh, several things. One of the things I'll, to give an example of Alberto. I was at an NC two A uh, championship with one of our runners, and uh, before he coached Matthew, and basically what happened was I dropped my driver's license in the in the airport. So they paged me over the phone, over the loudspeaker, and I got my went back, picked up my driver's license. All of a sudden, I got a second page, hmm. and I was thinking, what could this be? So I pick right. I pick it up. I was I've never been paged airport, and it was Alberto happened to be in the airport. And I didn't know that. And he says, are you okay? Do you need something? And I think that's what track yeah. does. If someone that picks up the phone and says, anything I could do for you. And that's kind of what teammates do for each other at a time. But he took that initiative to do it. And that's just something that uh, people don't know about. Yeah, and that's the kind of bond that, yeah, I mean, a lot of the teammates, and we still hang around with all our idiot friends. And Yeah, exactly. Hi, uh, Shy. Yeah, and we, I mean, I look around, you know, we're at Coach's apartment, and we're looking at a bachelor party where, uh, you know, he's got... Uh, well, it's a picture of a bachelor party. A picture of a bachelor party. Trying to get back to that bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bachelor party here at his house, but just pictures and, you know, just close friends who are all runners and probably great runners in their own right so there is this unique bond that we have which is pretty cool and it goes on for generations and um i'm happy to all three of my uh children have that experience with sports that they make great friends lifelong friends and they're quality people i don't think you get outside of sports uh, I, yeah I, I totally agree so you you talked about alberto and um yeah there are these rumors on the internet or you know what your impression is him of him is you know integrity and you know you wouldn't you wouldn't believe any sort of uh, drug rumors about him. I don't believe Alberta would. I know Alberta a long time, and I very very much wants to win. Very much aggressive in his training. Very much aggressive in his approach. Yeah, but cheating is a different story, and uh, integrity. Uh, he would lose everything, and I think that'd be silly to trade what he's accomplished for one athlete. Um, and my son and I both have the highest, uh, and his mother have the highest respect for Alberto and his wife Molly uh, and his family. So I, I can't see why he would disgrace his whole family just to win a race. That's pretty silly. So what is what? So what's next for what's next for Matthew? What's next for Matthew is uh, the New York City. He's in the Diamond League yep. 800, which is a nice thing. doesn't have to keep running miles all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the USA is the mile, and then he goes to Europe. Yeah, he goes to Europe, and hopefully this year's World Championship. Well, yeah. And, and so hopefully he makes that yeah, Beijing team. That. Correct. I mean, he, he, uh, he is competing at, you know, at, at these Diamond League meets and competing for titles, and you know, I feel like... Every time he goes out, he feels like he can beat anybody in the world. Well, he has it this year. Last year, 
last year was different because last year he missed he had <clears throat> he had a virus that was messing with his heart and uh, he it was very uh, it's very unusual I'm really not medically qualified to right. say what what went on but it, it felt like a heart attack to him so he had some medical issues and uh, missed approximately six weeks of training and uh, without an indoor season missing six weeks and then coming outdoors and still running 331 right um, it was tremendous effort on his part but he missed the base and he ran out of gas the second half which I wasn't around for but mm-hmm. um, to to run that fast gave him a lot of confidence for this year and not missing a beat He's been healthy without uninterrupted training for the whole year, September on. And most of the time it takes a little bit of break after indoors. He's tired. He wasn't tired at all. I think because he ran different events. Uh, the 1,000, as you know. Right. Ran a good 1,000. Ran a couple, one or two 800s. And mixed it up better this year. So I think he's mentally fresher, more excited about getting little PRs in these other events, which will keep him fresh all the way through the World Championships. So I think we're going to see a different kid. Um, one of the things that Alberto had him do um, up in Oregon, he won the 800, Brandon 148, and approximately 10, 15 minutes later, he jogged over to the other track and ran 147 in a workout. Wow. So he ran faster. The pace, obviously, he had a wow. different pacer, but that's the kind of strength he has. And to do that, he could never do that yeah. last year or any other year. So um, I think you're going to see major improvements in his mile this year. 1500, which is excited to break 330 and knock off some more USA runners off the list and maybe get on the world list. So, is he, is he driven to, to you know set American records? And that's you know probably important to him, I would imagine. Well, yeah, it's very important to uh, all yeah. athletes to right. run fast, right. but obviously to win medals and to win yeah. a gold medal at the world championship would be ideal. And obviously, an Olympic medal uh, would be his second shot at a chance at it anyway. Yeah. And, and, <coughs> all right. Let me stack up father versus son here. So you set an American record. He hasn't yet. Is that is that right? You could, Chris, you're very intuitive. Let's yeah. go. He has, I made two. Let's start at the yeah, top. He okay. made two Olympic teams. So does he need to revise that tattoo? <laughs> we might have. He has some work to do. Let's yeah, leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't earned all that ink yet. Yeah. Okay? That's right. And so we have two Olympic teams. He has okay. one. Yep. Take that, Matthew. Okay. okay. So yeah. I have one American record. He has none. <laughs> okay. I have four USA consecutive titles. He has two, uh, three. One indoors, one account indoors. Okay. We'll count that as three. But that's still less than four. That's still yeah. less than very good math. Yeah, very good math is on fire today. Yes, man. My man. <laughs> good stuff. So he, he's, he's done the math that way. Yeah. So okay. he's a little behind there yeah. on that. And as far as... He hasn't have enough stories yet to do a book. So, <laughs> right. So you got one. So book. I have another one of him. Just just a chapter. Just a chapter. Oh yes. You, you you have a book. He has a chapter. He has a chapter. Yeah. It's, it's a very nice chapter. Though, <laughs> it's, but, it's, it's a very nice chapter. But yes. Well, that's awesome. We look forward to seeing how Matthew. I'm sure he's going to be uh, have have a great season and look forward to that New York race, USA's, and Europe and. Uh, so good luck to him. Awesome on that, um, Coach. I appreciate you. You're such a great supporter of our store. You're you're our head racing team coach, and we have awesome things going on there. And you've always been such a supporter of Pacers in the running community here in DC and everywhere. Great ambassador for the sport. 
Um, I really appreciate you, you, you taking some time. I know you're on a plane here soon, so really appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. Good luck. All right. That's Coach Matt Sensuitz, two-time Olympian, and he joined us here on Pace the Nation, and we'll be right back. All right. Well, that was an awesome interview. I uh, really want to thank Matt uh, for joining us. You know, we had scheduled this interview a while back, and he had plans changed because he was going to he's going to see Matthew I think in Utah where Matthew's training right now uh, he's going to go help out uh, Matthew and maybe do a little coaching and mentoring so we really appreciate him honoring you know his obligation to be on the show because uh, I thought that was really good guys I thought that was um, a cool a, a cool insight and look into um, you know the world of professional running and Matt's life and his book that's coming out. I think you did a good job of of uh, following the timeline, <laughs> and now that we've established that base, we can bring him back and, yeah. and get him to to uh, tell some of his world famous stories <laughs> about the good old days. They are world famous. Yeah, I mean that Bruce Jenner story was awesome, and many others that he that he had on. Uh, that he just talked about, so really cool, uh, really cool of him to do that. Thank you, Coach. So it's everyone's favorite segment. It's time for the Clarendon Construction Update. Yay! <laughs> The energy in the room right now is just unbelievable. It's awesome. So what's going on? Um, all right. Well, so the first thing is that the sidewalk that I've mentioned on, I think, just about every show is finally finished on Clarendon Boulevard. So, That's awesome. So there's no more holes, um, and there's now a fully completed brook, brick sidewalk um, mm-hmm. in front of the store on the Clarendon Boulevard side. Um, so the other exciting news is that they framed out the front windows and the new door. Um, on the corner of Highland and Clarendon Boulevard. Wow. And, and I had a visitor come look at the wall as well. So <laughs> Wow. Did they did you talk to the visitor or did they did you just notice them uh, admiring the wall? No like, like a you like the Jane Goodall of uh, <laughs> of wall observers. No, this person actually came inside and told me, Oh, you're right, the wall looks great. That's awesome. That is great. <laughs> Um, okay, and so the other big news is that they've started on the second half of the windows on Clarendon Boulevard. Um, so they did up into the temporary door, and now they're going to do on the other side of the temporary door. Um, and work is ahead of schedule. Wow. So we might see this project finished before the end of June. Boo! But there's plenty of other construction <laughs> yeah, happening plenty. at our other locations. Yay! <laughs> it is going to look awesome, Joanna. I cannot wait to see your store when it's done. That radius that you've talked so many times about is going to be really cool with that curved glass. It's going to be beautiful, I think, when it's, when it's finally done. Oh, yeah. So, all right. All right, guys, great show. Really loved having a guest on again this week. Uh, thanks again to Matt Sensuit Sr. Uh, we, uh, we have some ideas for next week's guests. I don't even know if I want to tease it because we haven't firmed it up yet. Let's not tease it then. Not, yeah, let's just not, a surprise guest. Let's, surpri- let's surprise them. 
thanks to Steve Lyko, uh, our social media photographer Maven, who who came and took pictures, and those are the pictures that you see uh, on Twitter uh, and pictures of us and uh, doing the broadcast and pictures of us with Matt, which are really cool. And of course, thanks as always to Pacers Running, Pacers Running with five area. DC locations, Pacers Running is for every run. And of course, thanks to the listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Pace the Nation. Fly me to the moon. Let me. We appreciate your support. For William E. Docks and Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. This has been Pace the Nation Podcast. We'll see you next week. Jupiter and Mars. In other words. Hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me Fill my heart with song And let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you.